Look at your neighbor and say, going to church without your Bible is like eating spaghetti without a fork. You get a lot in you. Or she would say, you get a lot on you, but not a lot in you. It's important that you have your words. important that you know what your word says. important that you know the things that God is saying in the last days. It's been very ironic the past several weeks that different ones have called and through the podcast, through different ministry opportunities, they're sharing, Pastor, you're sharing the same thing that my pastor sharing. You're sharing the same thing that Jensen Franklin's sharing. You're saying the same thing that John Hagee is sharing. Ironically, we have the same spirit. The same spirit that nudges my heart is the same spirit that nudges every man and woman of God that are spirit-filled and spirit-led and spirit-obedient. And I believe that as Pastor... Uh, Wow, my mind just completely went blank. As Pastor Jeff talked to us about cooperation, how many knows that if you get the right things going and you get planted in the right area, you're going to grow? Uh, so ironically, several weeks ago, Lowe's had a special sale on tulips. Tulips are one of the first things to bloom in the spring, and I have a lot of tulips that bloom around the yard. And so they were, they were so discounted, I felt like I had to get them, and I bought a bag of 50 tulips. It's kind of like in this real weird... Uh, uh, mesh bag and uh, I casually threw the tulips on the ground getting ready to plant them out here in this planter by the way they're in the planter now do you see them there James they're in your bag of potatoes James they're the midget potatoes you probably could cook them I know you can smoke them but you can't cook them uh, anyway yesterday I went to get some stuff in my backyard and I saw that bag of tulips I said you know what I'll go plant those today at the church and when I went to get them, I had to pull twice because some of the tulips had found that dirt and it already started to make roots or ruts. What do you call it? What do you call it? So if, if you're healthy and you're around healthy soil, you're going to grow. The, the Word of God will help you grow. The Word of God will bless you and help you grow. And this morning for a few minutes, I'd like to talk a little bit about the power of agreement. The power of agreement. And my text, there are several text today and some of these are life-changing scriptures you might want to write them down the guys are so good to put them up for us but in ecclesiastics the fourth chapter i want to bring attention to a very often quoted passage around this house and we're going to begin at verse nine this is the wealthiest and the wisest man who ever lived upon the planet how many knows if E.F. Hutton was here, we'd want to hear what he has to say? How many of you have no clue who E.F. Hutton is? Where are you? We have no clue. Uh, let's make it a little, a little bit more where we live. The, uh, who is the, who's, our, who's, our, who's our mogul that started Facebook? What's his name? If that guy was here, would you not like to hear what he had to say? Uh, if Donald Trump was here, would you not like to hear what he had to say? So today we're tapping into a guy that was anointed with the supernatural anointing to bring increase and blessing, actually built the house of God. Phenomenal, sensational, man of God, powerful passage. And here's what he brings our attention in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Let me stop right there and talk to you about the power of agreement. They have measured several things in the livestock animal arena. They've actually measured the power of a horse, and that's why you have horsepower. If you have 300 horsepower, that's reflective of 300 horses at the same moment uh, taking a step forward, how much power that would be. 
I have a 55 Chevy that has almost 600 horsepower. You can imagine how much power that is. They've also measured the power of an ox. They've actually taken an ox, put a strain on it, and caused that ox to go forward, and they measured the, the, the centrifugal force of that ox. Then they took another ox and attached it to the first ox, and they had the two oxes pull together. Guess what? You would assume that if one ox could do a certain amount of labor, the second ox, they should be able to do two times the labor. How many would, how many would agree? However, that's not the way it plays out. One ox can do a certain amount of effort. You put the second ox tied to that first ox and give them a command to push. They do four times the labor. It's phenomenal what happens when teamwork is involved. And we'll show you teamwork in just a minute. Notice verse 10. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to he that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Now, many of you have seen that commercial where the little precious senior citizen falls and there's no one around, and she calls out, she says, Help, I've fallen, I can't get up. How many have seen it? And several hours later, her friend shows up on the spot and is there to help her. This past week, my uncle, my precious, precious uncle, who I love and value greatly, fell down a set of stairs, and he was at the house by himself, and he was calling out, and he was getting for some, some, uh, for some reason uh, the guy that has been working with my cousin to help her the sleep thing what's that called sleep acne that's called anyway he came to get her machine to judge to 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 rate and see how she was doing heard my uncle crying and came in called the paramedics and he was taken to the hospital but here the word says that if you fall and someone is there with you not just to help you up but to help you get help if you're alone you call and there's no one there to respond how many can relate and again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? Now, this is, uh, this is just a very simple uh, thought I thought I'd, I'd give with you. There's a rock band that appeared in America in the late, not, the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, I love them. I got all their CDs. I can sing most of their songs. A little confused. I think Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Just a little confused. But their name is called Three Dog Night. And Three Dog Night got their name by Eskimos in Alaska that when things got cold, they would bring their dogs in and they would sleep. They would sandwich themselves in between their two dogs and they would stay warm. And when it got real, real cold, they would bring in the third dog and the third dog would lay on top of the Eskimo and they called it a Three Dog Night. And that's where the band got their name, Three Dog Night. Now listen, if you don't learn anything else this day, if you don't get spiritual or blessed in any revelation, know that you can leave, that if there's ever a question on Jeopardy, how did Three Dog Night get their name, you could win a large amount of money because you will know that answer. So it pays to go to church. If they lie together, they have heat. Verse 12. And if one prevail against them, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So here's what the word says, is that when two of you agree or when two of you decide to do something, that in that power of agreement, there's a possibility that there could be a third person that shows up on the scene to help you out. Uh, Jackie was going to help me today. Jackie's in church today with his grandparents. We praise God for that. Uh, Jackie tested clean Friday, completely clean of all, all narcotics. All how, aren't, you, aren't you glad for that? Praise God. First time been clean since the age of 13, by the way. He's 22 years of age. Jackie was going to take three strands of a rope, and he was going to braid them together to show us the power of taking three strands and putting them together. 
In Isaiah 40 and 31, where it says, They that wait upon the Lord, that word wait, quava, in the Hebrew does not mean wait as time concerned, wait as a waitress, but it means to wait. It means to bind together three strands, and those three strands bound together. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. God wants to partner with you today. God wants to weave himself in your life. He wants to be a part of your life. When you look at Psalms 119, where it talks about before we were in our mother's womb, we were, we, were, we were crafted, we were quilted. That word quilt means to take several strands together and to put them together. God is a weaver, and God knows how to get in your life, and God knows how to make you strong. Because God has given us responsibilities. And Brother Everett, if you'll just bring me a chair. If you'll just bring me a chair. God has given us responsibilities that we are to be a blessing to this community. We are to feed this community. We're to care for this. Yeah, sit it down there, sir. Thank you. We're, we're to care for this community and the things that we're supposed to do. I would like to have uh, Pastor Todd join me in this chair. Now, one of my favorite songs of the 70s was by the Hollies. He ain't heavy, he's my brother. I love that song. But in this scenario, that song is grossly incorrect because he is heavy. He is my brother, and he's heavy. And Pastor Jeff, if God called me to move Pastor Todd from here to Tiffany, there was some kind of some kind of wall between them, and they were fussing and fighting, and God wanted to use me to get you to Tiffany, but I had to pick you up and carry you. Let me tell you something. I mean, I can try it. We're just going to waste your time, my time, because it ain't going to happen. Okay, not only a broken wrist, broken back, but you've eaten a pancake yesterday, two, two pancakes. Okay, so, so it's going to be difficult. But if I were to ask Brad and Curtis and Jesse and Micah, Micah, are you praying in tongues or are you okay? You're ready to help me? Uh, James. Come here, James. Come here, James. Come here, guys. If I were to ask these four guys to help me, and I was to ask the four of them to carry him to Tiffany, what do you think, guys? Each one grab a leg. I grab a leg. All we ready? One, two, three. Yeah, mule. Take him all the way to Tiffany. Now, would you give them a hand clap of appreciation because... Because they did it. Watch this. What I could not do alone, I could accomplish with help. Oh, oh, guys, bring him back. Yeah, I can't just leave him there. Bring him back. Yeah, bring him, right, bring him back to where. Does that illustration help anybody? Because a lot of, th a lot of times, there you go. Try not to kill him. Good. Are we videotaping this? Don't, don't get me, get him. There you go. Yeah, set him back down. Now, Pastor Todd, I'm going to let you on your own get to where you need to be. How many? That's the power of agreement. Now, I don't want to call these guys oxen, but actually when all of them put their strength and put their energy together, it was quite simple for them to carry him where he needed to be carried. See, God is never going to put something on you that you don't have the ability to do if you connect with the right people. We've been talking about the spirit of encouragement, talking about going where you're celebrated not tolerated uh, many of you may or may not know this, I don't know why I'm on this kick this morning but, but Jesse Duplantis began his career would anybody like to know where Jesse Duplantis began his career anybody? he was the guitarist for Sly and the Family Stone how many remember Sly and the Family Stone I want to take you higher they did Woodstock, they're incredible rock bands incredible musicians but they have a song entitled Dance to the Music. 
And the song starts out with the vocalist singing, dance, the music. And then he says, we're going to add a drummer for people who only need a beat. And the drums start playing. Then he says, I'm going to add some bottom. The bass starts playing. And then he says, you might like to hear my organ. A Hammond organ kicks in. And then the lead guitarist says something about guitar. And he starts jamming. And all of a sudden, within just a few measures in the music, you have a full-blown band playing a song that the world identifies with. But if I were to stand up here by myself and I were to entertain you, the entertainment's going to be rough. Found a peanut, found a peanut, found a peanut just now. And you know what? No matter, no matter how well I sang, it ain't going to come across very well because I don't have that good of a voice. It ain't that great of a song. There's 81 verses that are stupid and you start all over and sing it again. It's pretty redundant. But now if I had a rock band, found a peanut. <laughs> Well, never mind. I guess you had to go there to, to grasp that air guitar moment. See, when everybody adds their stuff, and when everybody adds their stuff, it comes across. God pulls it off. Many of you have had my famous taco soup, and you've had my famous jerky. My famous jerky has about eight or ten ingredients, and I soak it for 24 hours. My taco soup came from Pastor Ron. It's her recipe, but I take all the credit for it. And it's, and, it's, and it's cool. I got, I got the thing memorized. You put some tomatoes in it. You put some black beans in it. You put some pinto beans in it. You put some uh, sour cream. You put cheese in it. You put, uh, help me, you put the lime in the coconut and drink. Anyway, you put all these different greens. You put it in the crock pot. The crock pot does everything. And I serve it. People, Pastor, you should be a, a cook. No, I just, I just follow Pastor Ron's recipe, and I did well. But if you leave out one, if you, if you don't put in that, that what's that, rotel? If you don't put the Rotel in there, it's just not quite the same. If you don't put that pound of burger in there with that little package of, of uh, ranch dressing and that taco seasoning, if you don't do it just right, a cup of water and put it just right, it, it's good, but it's not great. That's why God brought all of us together to be great. Because there's things happening right now in the kingdom that he wants you to be aware of. And I'm going to share two stories with you, and I'm not going to be long-winded today because I'm hungry, and Pastor Rhonda has two roasts on at the house and we're going to go and see what we can do about devouring those ropes I don't want you to get hungry I want you to listen to what God's word has to say if you go with me to Joshua I'm sorry Judges the first chapter and the power of agreement works in every area of your life if I ask one of you to detail a car four or five hours later the car will be detailed but if I ask three of you to join and detail the car it's an hour job in the, the, the finances of the church God never called for one person to pay all the bills, he called for all of us to bring our part, the best part. And God said, whatever you do, don't forget me because I'm the one that gives you power to get wealth. God, God gave Jay that ability to be a mechanic and enjoy that and to have his own business. God gave Kenny the ability to, to work with electricity and enjoy it and have his own business. God gave Matt that ability to work with heating and air and have his own business. God gave, I think right now, Frazier's the number one salesman at Everson Mazda this month. God gave Frazier that, that ability to talk and, 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 to, and to seal the deal. All those things come from God. God teaches us and trains us and then pushes us out of the nest to be and do what we're supposed to do. In the book of Judges, there were a lot of young people that had learned how to fight but never had the opportunity to do that. And let me tell you something. It's, a lot, it's easy to stand around and shadow box because your shadows can't hit you back. But it's not so easy to get into the ring with the black belt, and I have, and I just, I just let him dot my eye and, and tag my chin as often as he wanted to because they're trained to do that. You know what? It's easy. I would say be easy to go to a shooting range and, and, to, and, and, and to get your scope dialed in.
but it wouldn't be so easy to go to Afghanistan and shoot because there's people shooting back at you. Does that make sense? So sometimes battle can be scary. Sometimes war can be scary. And I believe that God puts the right people around us and then he calls us to a time of war and it's a war of taking back what the enemy has stolen. Can anybody grasp that this morning? There are things in your life that the enemy has stolen from you and God wants to give them back. It's called restoration. And that's what, that, what the gathering is on Saturday night. It's a process of restoration that every Saturday that we have this service, we bring somebody or something in that can help you get back what's been stolen or get back what's been taken from you. A lot of us have lost our joy. A lot of us have lost our peace. A lot of us are financially freaking out because things are so, so bad in the money market, and it, and it really is bad. And so we're, we, come, we come to the house of God scared, afeared, afraid, envelope, envelope, whatever. But the, but the bottom line is there is an attack coming against you because you're standing your ground. I'm going to show you a story in the Bible. I don't know that I've ever preached of it, but I'm going to share it with you in, in just a minute. But realize Jesus told the disciples this, listen, if they hated me, they'll hate you more. If you stand your ground and you shine your light and you let your life be reflective and salty, there are going to be those that are just intent to take you out and destroy you. It's, it's, it's hard to explain why, but they have this vendetta that they're going to take out a child of God. So he said, if they hated you, they're going to hate, they hated me, they're going to hate you even more, but I'm going to give you something, the comforter, they're going to hang out with you, teach you what to say, teach you what to do, inspire you, impress you to make the right decisions. I've never personally spent time with him, but I know of his ministry well. Pastor Rhonda has met him and spent some time with him. Norville Hayes claims he was driving to South Florida, and when he got to North Florida, God told him to pull over and go into a gas station. He did. He inquired about some land, and God told him to buy the land. He bought the land. It was just a vacant piece of land by the freeway, and today it's a, it's a multi-motel, uh, all kinds of restaurant, everything going with it. God, God gave him the nudge to, to purchase that, that land, not knowing that he was going to build a restaurant, a motel, not knowing how well he was going to do. A lot of us, if we would stay focused and sincere to the things of God, God wants to give us nudges, encouragement, bring people into our life to know what direction to go in, and it's all a part of his clock, his, his kairos, not our chronos. Look at someone say, not our chronos, but his kairos. Not on our time, but on his time, which is holy, which is supernatural. The Bible said when the fullness of time was come, God sent his son. God is a God that knows exactly what he's doing and knows exactly when to show up and, and react and respond. At, at Lazarus, it looked like he was three days late, but how many knows he was just on time? How many knows there are people that have been pronounced dead that have laid in a room and two days later have come back to, come back to life? How many know that that's a true story? How many knows they had to exhume some coffins when they opened the coffin? Much to their chagrin, they realized they had put people in the coffin that was not dead. There was a syndrome several years ago called the sleep syndrome, and people going to deep sleep and all their vitals were shut down, and everybody thought they was dead, and they put them in a coffin only to find out they weren't dead later. That's why in between the death and a, and a funeral, there's always three days. There's a reason why someone's in there, a watch, watchman, why someone sits, sits around the clock and stays there with that, with, with that body until it's buried. How many, how many knew that? How many did not know that? Well, there's two things to learn today. Hey, so, so far, two out of three, that ain't bad. Hey, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> I love that. I love that movie. Aliens, I think, when they attacked America, Jack Nicholson said, hey, we still have the Air Force, the Army. Two out of three ain't bad. Well, never mind. There you have it. Okay, if you'll go with me, are you at Judges, the first chapter? 
How much have we got that up there? We got it all? Let's read it straight from are you, are you in the King James Version. Okay, let me, let me catch up with you. There's a lot of people today that have gone to seminars and gone to classes and listened to tapes and read books, but they're green. They're green. They've never been in battle. They've never smelled blood. They've never seen things fall to the left or right. They don't know how to depend upon God. I believe God would take many of us that have been taught, trained, we've read, we've prepared, we've been to seminars, we've, we've got, we're, we're, we're ready to do what God's calls to do, but we're green. We, we don't have any experience, any battle experience. So let me share with you what happens in the book of Judges. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass the people of Israel asked the Lord, who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I've delivered the land into his hand. If you were to go to Genesis 49 and 8, you don't have to go there. But the Bible describes Judah as a lion's whelp. The Bible describes Judah as a mighty lion that has his enemies by the neck. How many have ever seen somebody grab somebody by the neck and just hold them there and choke them? Ever seen that? That's, what, that's, what, that's how God describes Judah. They are the lion of the tribe of Judah. And they're going to have the ability to take their enemy by the neck and crush their enemy. They are the, they are the tribe that does all the praise and the worship. All the musicians came out of the tribe of Judah. All the worshipers, all the praisers, all the praise leaders come out of the land of Judah. So God says, send Judah first. And Judah, which means praise, look at somebody say praise, said it to his brother Simeon. Everybody say, hearer of the word. The word Simeon means hearer of the word. So you got a praiser that's been told to take the attack against the enemy first. So this guy realizes, I can do great things by myself, but if I get, bring somebody into my camp, if two are brought together, two can do better than one. Do you see this? So a praiser connects with a hearer of the word. See, all praise and no word makes you shallow. All word and no praise makes you boring. But you get a praiser and the word working together, you're going to see confrontation, you're going to see exposure, and you're going to see miracles. You, can't, you cannot, when Billy Burke taught us about little Mary, told, the, told the, the angel, be it according to thy word, she activated, her voice activated the word of God that was spoken to her. We got this little dude, he only shows up uh, a month before Christmas, he's about this tall, and looks like a little Scottish uh, uh, choir member, and when you walk past him, he begins to sing, deck the halls with boughs of holly, la 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 great song don't mind hearing it once or twice but every time you walk into my up my step there's that little guy deck the halls with boughs of holly and after about four times up the stairs it gets on your nerves well i have watched that little guy this and i've watched that little guy this year on the on the porch i found him in the rose garden i found him in the driveway i found him out by the curb and i asked christine i said christine have you kicked the little guy to the curb his dad, he gets on my nerves. Well, what I wanted to do four Christmases ago, here, here Christine takes him and throws him to the curb. And what, what is so wild is that this morning when I went to walk out, he wasn't there. Pastor Rhonda had thrown him in the back of the truck because we're having company come over, and she didn't want anybody to get bored by the guy. <laughs> now, there's a reason why I told you that, but right now, whatever it is, I don't know. Huh? Voice activated. So when you walk by this little guy, he starts singing. There are things in your life that I believe you have the ability to speak and to bring into fruition, to, to be able to birth and to be able to see God bless and God mature. that help anybody? Okay, so they, they say, let's, let's send Judah. 
He gets Simeon. Let's finish the story. Pastor Connie, thank you so much for letting me use your glasses. I appreciate that. She's with our kids. And Judah said to Simeon, Come up with me into my lot that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I likewise will go with thee under thy lot. So Simeon went with him. And Judah went up. Everybody say, Praise went up. And the Lord delivered the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and their land, and they slew of them in Bezek 10,000 men. Everybody say 10,000. There's a promise that says this. One can turn 1,000. Two can turn 10,000. If you stay mathematically on that formula, if one can turn 1,000 and two can turn 10,000, how many can three turn? 100,000. Do you see this? And one angel of the Lord defeats 185,000 Assyrian war. One angel. You get angels connected to your purpose and your plan. You get angels connected to your prayer and your praise. You're going to see mountains move. I promise you, you won't climb your mountain. You'll speak to your mountain, be cast into the sea, and it will be cast into the sea. It might be the mountain of confusion, the mountain of fear, the mountain of poverty, the mountain of pain, the, mo the mountain of addiction. But you can have that faith to speak to it and see something take place in your life. Someone give someone a high five, take the pressure off of me. And they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek, and they fought against him, and they slew the Canaanites and the Perizzites. But Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued after him, and caught him, and cut off his thumbs and great toes. And Adonai Bezek said, Three score and ten kings, having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered their meat under my table, as I have done, so God has rep repaid or requited or punished me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. Okay, let me, let me share with you the purpose and the focus of this story. Everything written in the Word of God is written for us that we, through their ensemble, there's a difference between example and ensemble. Example could be that sometimes your actions make an example out of you, and sometimes it's not good. How many knows that? How many knows we do dumb things, and dumb things happen, and people look at us and say, well, I sure don't want, to, I sure don't want that to happen to me. Anybody relate? See, I may not tell you how to do it, but I promise you I can tell you how not to do it. I can tell you, in probably every aspect that I've been involved, I can tell you how not to do it. Can you relate? How many, so sometimes we need somebody in our life that just can tell us how to do it, but can tell us, hey, I wouldn't go there. <laughs> hey, that's not why, I, I wouldn't buy that right now. Hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get married. I, how many knows that? You got people in your life. So this story is for you and I today. And while we're talking about this story, go to Luke 10. Stay with me, though, you both at the same time. I promise you can. The people of God, the army of God, under the direction of Joshua, had planted a flag, but had not claimed the territory. Now watch this. There are things that you can do in faith. There is, a, there is an aspect of prophetic praise that you can be involved in. When David killed Goliath, that power of prophecy began to emerge. Saul has killed thousands. David has killed tens of thousands. No, David only killed one. But the prophetic power flowed through those handmaids that began to prophesy that David would kill hundreds of thousands, and, and he did. So you have the ability right now in Jesus' name to take a loved one and see that loved one. I don't care how bad they're, I don't care what they're doing in the world. Brandy can tell you her son was lost and away from God, but she began to see him saved with his hands lifted, praising God, and then she made the right connections, talked to the right people, got him at the right place. Guess what? Today, he's saved, his hands are lifted, he's praising and worship God. Why? Because prophetically, she began to thank God for something that she knew God would do if she gave him the time. You see that? 
So we have the ability to prophetically bring things in. So we will claim things that we've, we've, we've declared them, we've spoken them, but they're not yet ours. Are you with me? You can go down and see a brand new car and say, in Jesus' name, that Mazda 3 is mine in Jesus' name. And then you can make the right steps, have the right credit score, the right down payment, fill out the application, the right bank, and you can, you can sequester that car. You speak it, you declare it, and then you make plans to get it. And that's what Joshua had done. They had conquered the land, but not the people. that help anybody? They conquered the land, but not the people. So now all of a sudden, the people of God go to God and say, okay, we've been taught, we've been trained, we've graduated. Now, what shall, what, how can we take back what's been stolen? And God said, send Judah, send praise. Send, send praise first, let praise go. Praise connects with the hear of the words. So we've got the Bible, we've got people that hear from God, connected to praisers. They go and they literally kill 10,000 warriors in Bezik. They, they encounter this guy by the name of Adonai Bezik. The word Adonai means Lord. Look at somebody say Lord. Adonai means Lord. Adonai, Adonai, Yeshua, Hamashiach, Adonai. That's how you sing he is Lord in Hebrew. The word, word Adonai means Lord. Bezik means land. So Adonai Bezik, if you translate his name, he's the Lord of the land. Who today has been called the Lord of the land? Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. He doesn't own it. He's trespassing on it and occupying it. And so here's what happens. The Lord of the land, Adonai Bezik, had captured this land by capturing one kingdom at a time. And Mina, he had captured 70 kingdoms. If you were to count some of the kingdoms of the world, the kingdom of England, the kingdom of London, the king of Scotland, the king of Amsterdam, the kingdom of Australia, the king of Holland. He had captured 70 literal kingdoms, had taken the kings of these kingdoms, cut off their thumb. You know what happens when you lose your thumb? You lose your grip. A lot of people have lost their grip. Cut off his toes. What happens when you cut off your toes? You lose your balance. So here we see a weak, anemic church that has lost their grip and has lost their balance. Does that help anybody in the building? That's why you see things so far left and so far right. There is balance. There is a place that you can be stuck in the middle, clowns to the left of you, joker to the right, but you can find a place of balance. Here I am stuck with you. There you have it. A praiser stuck with a hearer of the word are taking back what the enemy has stolen. Seventy kings have their thumbs and their toes cut off, and they personally serve this king. They bring him food. They wash his clothes. They bathe him. They make sure his bed's okay. They make sure his food isn't poisoned. So 70 kingdoms of the world have been, have been ministered to this king, Adonai Bezik. And he says, my, my, what I have done to others, so you have done to me. When they went to chase him, listen, you get a praiser, and you get a hear of the word confronting the enemy. The Bible says this, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The devil hates the name of Jesus, hates the blood of Jesus, hates miracles, hates seeing you praise, hates worship, hates all that. And if we would just do the basics that God has called to do as part of the army of the Lord, a lot of times the devil would run without us never having to confront him. Does that, hate, does that help anybody in this house? He cannot stand praise and worship music. He cannot stand praise and worship. He cannot stand the name of Jesus. He cannot stand the blood of Jesus. He can't stand it. And the Bible says, you apply it, you confront it, he will flee. When Adonai Bezik experienced praise, when he experienced the hear of the word, he turned around and ran. ran. 
They chased him, caught him, cut his toes off, cut his thumbs off, took him back to Jerusalem. Guess what? He dies. What he intended against others, he himself was such a wuss. Hello. He couldn't take what he dealt out. You've heard it before? Don't dish it out if you can't handle it. What he, did, what he dished out, he couldn't even handle it. All of a sudden, he dies. He says, my might, 70 kingdoms have I conquered, and now what I did to them, you've done to me. He lays down and dies. That's called victory. Look at someone say victory. Luke 10 and 1. Luke 10 and 1. Jesus sends out 70 what? Anybody talk to me? 70 what? Come on, talk to me. What did Jesus send out? What, what, what did he appoint? Come on, talk to me. 70 others. You see it? 70 others. How many kings got captured by Adonai Bezik? 70. Jesus raised up 70, 35 teams of two. Watch this. What happened in Judges? He's doing the New Testament. He puts a praiser with a hearer of the word, and he sends them to cities that he himself would have gone into, but he has, he has divided the leadership. He's divided the teams into twos, and they're going to cities, and they're preaching the word. They're seeing miracles. They come back saying, Lord, even the demons were subject unto us. In verse 19, Jesus says, I beheld Satan as lightning fallen from heaven. So here we have the Lord of the land fallen, the disciples going into cities, performing miracles, seeing people saved, seeing restoration, seeing all kinds of things happen in the name of the Lord. They come back rejoicing. They come back saying, Lord, we went and we did what praise says. We did what the word says. And we saw results. And then he says this. I saw Satan is a defeated foe. He's been cast down to the earth. He's lost his ability and talent. All he wants to do like a roaring lion is intimidate and scare you. And he operates through fear. Fear also is like a rocking chair. Gives you something to do but doesn't get you anywhere. Pastor Ron and I were talking about something earlier this week. The scripture says the, um, help me, the wicked flee when no man pursues. But let me tell you something, Gail. Saints flee when no man pursues. We'll let the enemy put a little seed of fear in our heart and spirit. Mama died of cancer. Grandma died of cancer. I'm probably going to die of cancer. And a lot of things we don't do, we're disqualified because fear has told us we're not going to make it or we can't do it. I'll never forget, young, young in life, I didn't have any older brothers and sisters. I was, the oldest, I was the oldest son, and I had a struggle with the pool. I had a struggle learning how to swim. My dad realized I wouldn't survive if I didn't know how to swim, so one day he just pushed me over in the deep end. And I did what everybody does in the deep end. I panicked, and I thought I was going to drown, and Dad reached over by the hair of the head, now, Mark, don't try this, but he reached over, and Dad got me by the hair of the head, you're the Chris, and pulled me up, let me breathe, and let me go. And so I had to learn how to swim. I was scared to death of the diving board. I, was, I mean, I was literally scared to death. The only reason I ever jumped off the diving board, Hannah, because someone called me a sissy. And, you know, you just can't have people calling you sissy in your life. You've got to prove to them that you're not a sissy, and that's why we do some of the stupid things we do. Can anybody relate the famous last words of a redneck? Watch this, Mom. Because we want mom to see how stupid we are. Come on. So if we would be honest with ourselves, which usually we aren't, there are things in our life that have posted themselves as danger, danger, warning, warning. And if you ever watch that program, Lost in Space, that little R2-D2, nine times out of ten, he was wrong. 
He panicked. You remember the program? Black and white, he panicked. He was always going, danger, danger, warning, warning. No, he was a wuss. And he couldn't handle conflict. And he would always try to run or try to flee or run away from his problems. But what has happened here, these, these guys are attacking in the name of Jesus, doing what God called them to do. They come back and say, even the demons were subject unto us. And here's what the Lord said. Don't get hung up on demonology. Don't get hung up on the occult. Don't get up on, on, on Ouija boards, satanic. Don't, don't get hung up on all that. Get hung up on the fact that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. And that you are a choir that God is gathering to replace one-third of the angels that fell. And you will be that angelic, that, that, that hostly choir that will praise and worship God on the other side of heaven. How cool is that going to be? He said, don't get all hung up on that. Get hung up on the fact that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Okay, I want to shift right here if I may. When we talk about agreement, had there not been a Simeon, there wouldn't have been a victory. Had there not been a Judah, there wouldn't have been a victory. Let me tell you something. I don't care how awesome Tom Brady is. If he did not have an offensive tackle, an offensive guard, an offensive nose guard, Tom Grady would never make it to the line of scrimmage. He'd get creamed in the backfield by a blitz or by a rush and probably get injured on the third play. Every person on that team depends on each other. Every person on that team has a particular role to play. Uh, Gina Bell's son... Uh, Rick and Gina Bell's son was selected for an all-star uh, Marines game in, um, where was it, in Phoenix. And uh, he actually is what's called the long snapper. The long snapper is the guy that when there's a kickoff or when there's a field goal, he's the one that snaps the ball. He's the long, he's the long, the long snapper. And what was so cool is that they won the game on a field goal, and he snapped the ball perfectly to the quarterback, who put the ball on the tee, and the kicker came and kicked it up between the goal. But had he snapped it incorrectly, or had he snapped it badly, the quarterback would have been sacked, the kicker would never have had an opportunity, and they would have lost. So every one of us are a part of the team that God wants to use. And it all has to do about connection. Let the weak say I'm strong. In the areas that you're weak, you find accountability, you find strength. In the areas that you're strong, you find a need and you fill it. Am I helping anybody in the building? God has, God has produced this balance. God has brought this all in to fruition. So here we've got people walking in the power of agreement. David was so anointed. Watch this, guys. He was so anointed that when he played that harp, demons, Esther fled. They fled. Demons fled. That's how anointed he was. How many knows you would like to have him on your praise and worship team? How many of you like to have your praise and worship team where you get ready to minister a bunch of demon-filled people? Anybody? There was a feast going on, and Jonathan said to David, tomorrow is the feast, and tomorrow's the celebration. We're going to sing, we're going to dance, we're going to rejoice. But you will be missed because your seat will be empty. See, there's a purpose and plan that God has for every single one of us. And for us to do what God's called us to do, he needs us all being where we're supposed to be. Pastor Jeff was out of town for a couple of weeks, and he texted me and said, I, I hate that I miss it. And I, and I texted him back, and I said, it was great, but you weren't here. I texted Chris last Sunday. I mean, last Sunday, we had some phenomenal music, some phenomenal musicians. And if you've been around music, you know we really did have some phenomenal. But, but uh, Chris, he's, led, he's, he's uh, ZZ Top Junior, man. He bends those strings and makes that stuff happen. And it was good, but it wasn't great. that makes sense? 
If you're not where you're supposed to be, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, we're going to do good. God's going to bless us. If two or three show up, God's going to bless us. But if everybody shows up, guess what we're going to do? We're going to score, touch, score touchdowns, we're going to hit home runs, and we're going to put the, goal, the soccer ball in the net by the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. Somebody give yourself a hand and clap of appreciation. I'm going, to shift, I'm going to shift gears on you, and I want to go to Hebrews 2 and 12. I don't know why, but after Acts, the first chapter, when Jesus said, Receive the Holy Ghost, the words of Christ aren't read the rest of the Bible. I don't know, I don't know two times in Revelation, but there are several times that Jesus spoke after the resurrection that really need to be in red. And here's something I, I wanted to teach. I was going to I was going to illustrate this morning, but I unfortunately I didn't have time to get everything I needed. In my life and in your life, there will be a lot of hats that you will wear. I wear the hat of a dad. Take that hat off, I wear the hat of a husband. I take that hat off, I wear the hat of a pastor. Take that hat off, I wear the hat of a mentor. Take that hat off, I wear the hat of an apostle. Take that hat off, I, I wear the hat two weeks from now, I'll be in Tulsa as an evangelist. So there's a whole bunch of hats that I wear. I wear the hat of a landlord. There, there are hats that I wear that if I don't realize what gear I'm in or what hat that I'm in, I'm not going to do all that good. Can anybody relate to what Pastor trying to say? Is that there's a lot of things that we accomplish in life. There's a lot of things that we do in life. But here's what happens every time we gather together, according to Matthew 18, 19, and 20. It said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And let me show you what happens when Jesus gets in the midst of us. In Hebrews 2 and 12, he makes a statement. In the midst of it, do we have it? I will declare thy name. He's talking to God. I will declare thy name unto the brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Okay. Whole new concept of worship. Watch this, guys. When we gather together in the name of the Lord, the Lord shows up. And everything about the Lord shows up. And when we gather together in the name of the Lord, our voices have the ability, maybe, to reach the ceiling. Few of us can stand outside the door. Our voices not reach beyond that door because our voices aren't amplified like that. We don't have that. We don't have that strength. We don't have that voice. We don't have that kind of voice. But when Jesus shows up, He takes our praise and our worship directly to the throne of God, and God hears what we're saying. God hears what we're doing. Does that help anybody? In the midst of the church, will I sing praises unto Thee? I would unto who? To God. So Jesus insinuating. When I worship, God hears me. Can you relate? No matter, he said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I make my, a cave in a mountain, you're there. So anytime we can convince or sequester or invite Jesus to show up, there's always going to be a divine connection. And some of you can sense it in the music. Some of you can sense it in your, in your repentance. Some of you sense it in your worship. It's like, it's like there is a breakthrough. There's a, there's a, you break through that wall of brass, you break through those walls of iron, and you realize, I now have the attention of God. That's because God, in the form of his son, has come to where you're at, 
and whatever hat you need for God to wear, he will wear. Does that help anybody in the house? If you came this morning sick, you don't feel good, and you don't want anybody around you because you got a cough. I mean, you're not contagious, but you just don't feel good, and you don't want anybody to get around you because they may get what you got, and you're sick, and you don't feel good, but you come anyway. Watch this. You come anyway. When Jesus finds where you are, it doesn't take very long to find you, he comes, and he begins to sing whatever we're singing. He begins to sing with us, and all of a sudden, Jesus reaches over and say, by the way, his name is Jehovah Ropha, which means our God is our healer. And in your sickness, he connects you to the name that brings your healing. You're struggling right now with guilt and condemnation. Enemies trying to beat you up, say all kinds of mean, mean things to you. Jesus comes and says, by the way, his name is Jehovah to Kisikanu, which means the Lord our righteousness. That means we're righteous in him. The enemy cannot beat us up because of our past, because old things are passed away. All things are become new. We come to the house of God. We're a tithe. We're faith. We're consistent. There's some financial needs in our life. Jesus comes and sings with us and says, by the way, my name is Jehovah Jireh. I am your provider. Don't worry. I've got everything in control. No matter what you need, if you need favor, if you need a, a, a banner, a ward to be won, he comes and introduces you to his father, wears the hat and you leave isn't that, isn't that cool you wear leaving the hat of healing leaving the hat of blessing leaving the hat of favor leaving the hat of accountability you come one way watch this and you leave seven ways how cool is that but it's got to take place somehow under the covering of worship and under the covering of praise that's what that's what ignites him to come and respond it's not the word that brings God's presence you notice that it's the hearing of the word that brings his presence it's not the preacher preaching that brings his presence. It's the people praising. I'm like Tim Tebow. If you weren't here to, 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 to build that, 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 that encouragement, that strength, I'd, I'd be like, a, like a, a knot in the hole on a log in the bottom of the sea. Exactly. Completely meaningless, completely worthless, with, with no credibility, with no anointing, because when two or three gather in his name, there he is in the midst of them. And I love, what, I love what Zephaniah 3 and 17 says. Do we have that? Zephaniah 3 and 17. Watch this. When we get together with Jesus and we begin to sing and the Lord takes our voices into heaven. Here's something you've got to realize. There are, there are I, I could probably say billions to get away with it. There are billions of angels in heaven right now that are part of that angelic choir. The Bible says they rest not day and night, holy, 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 around the throne of God. They're singing, they're praising, they're worshiping. But I believe something happens when Jesus shows up in the presence of God. I believe God sees his son, and his son begins to do sign language, and the son begins to let the father know that he doesn't need the angels right now because there's a special choir all the way from Cleveland, Tennessee on a Sunday morning at 1030. And they're singing praise, they're singing worship, and Jesus singing with them. And our presence, our praise goes right up into the throne of God. And God begins to hear our praise, begins to tap his foot in the beat to our music. God begins to sway like the, like the black people begin to sway when the power of God begins to move. And all of a sudden, God stands up on the throne and God begins to sing back to us. And God begins to declare healing and righteousness and faithfulness and deliverance and victory. Is that a joyous choir I hear? No, it's the Lord himself exalting over you in happy song. God sings to us. Now, how cool is that? To know that we're asking God, we're asking God for a breakthrough, we're asking God for victory, and we're telling God everything that is about himself. And God looks back and says, 
You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. See, in order for God to be love, he needs something to love. And for God to be a giver, he needs something to give. God wants to spoil you. God wants to bless you. God wants to honor you. God wants to do good things in your life. And all we've got to do is to follow his plan, his purpose, his way, and know that he will do. If we do what we're called to do, if that chair will do what it's supposed to do, if that guitar will do what it's supposed to do, if this podium will do what it's supposed to do, and I do what I'm supposed to do, we're going to have church. God's going to show up. You're going to leave healed. You're going to leave inspired with a voice, with a direction from God. Amen. Very quickly, I was very quickly. Is that okay? Where's my English major? Very quickly. Quickly go to 1 Samuel 22. Let me paint a story while you're getting there. Guys, if you'll find the very last verse of that chapter, that's what I want to share. David is a man after God's own heart. He's killed the lion. He's killed the bear. He's killed Goliath. All of society is against him because of jealousy. David is killing the enemies of the king. The enemies, try, the king's trying to kill him. Does not make sense. It does not, does not tabulate. But this is what's going down. David is doing what God has called him to do. David goes to the house of God to get... Goliath's sword. Watch this. Get ready to go to battle. He knows he's going to battle. He needs Goliath's sword. So he goes to the house of God. The priests there feed him, take care of him, refresh him, give him Goliath's sword, and he leaves. And as he's getting ready to leave, or actually, actually leaves, Saul hears somehow through the grapevine that David has been hanging out where the priests hang out. When he gets to where all the priests live, he confronts them and tells them, because you've helped David, you, you have helped an enemy of mine, I'm going to kill you. And the priest said, wait a minute, Saul. David is your most faithful son. He's your, he's your son-in-law. He's faithful. He's loyal. He's a good man. He loves God. And the king says, no, I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill David. I'm going to kill you. So the, the king tells his servants, armor bearers, to kill the priests. The, the servants refuse. We will not kill the priest. And Saul makes a declaration and promises a reward to anybody that will kill the priest. So this guy by the name of Doeg, D-O-E-G, takes his sword, kills all of the priests. Then he goes home where all the priests live. He kills their wives. He kills their children. He kills their babies. And he kills all their oxen. All of them. Kills, he, he wipes out the entire lineage of the priesthood. One guy gets away. And he runs to where David's at. And he tells David what just happened, what just went down. And David said, I saw him, and I knew he was going to rat us out. I, I knew I, I should have dealt with it right there in the spot. I did not deal with it. I should have dealt with it. I did not. And then David makes this, makes this promise to the only priest standing, the only man left standing. And what does he say? You got it? First Samuel, the very last verse of that chapter, chapter 22. I want, you to, I want you to read it, read this in its fullness. The guy comes to David. My dad's gone. My mom's gone. My kids are gone. My cattle have been, everything's dead. Everything's gone. I've been completely wiped out, completely wiped out. Runs to David. David says this. Abide thou with me. Fear not. For he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life. But with me thou shall be in safeguard.
You see that? Look at Pastor Hank just for a minute. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. There will be battles you will not win. You will go through the heartbreak of a divorce. You'll go through the frustration of bankruptcy. You'll go with some kind of disease attacking your body. There will be many, many dangers, toils, and snares. There are lions, tigers, and bears in every area of your life. From the crib to the coffin, life is one continual battle where the enemy is trying to take you out or get you bound or throw you away. And here's what God says. Those that are against you are against me. You hang with me, you're going to be okay. No matter what storm comes your way, the Bible says, the, the, the song talks about you are a hurricane, but there are hurricanes that the enemy too can produce. And when the enemy comes in like a flood and tries to disqualify you and tries to take you out, tries to destroy you, and, and you're living with fear. You've got letters from people that say they're going to sue you. you got, you got statements said that you're not going to be able to keep your house. You've got something in your body that's trying to take you out. Don't ever, ever, ever give up on God. Because God has a thousand ways to solve your problem. You have only one. And that is trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed, just for a moment. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of agreement. We thank you that in almost every area of life, we see what happens when there's a team effort. We thank you that your word has said that you will reside in the praises of your people. That it's not just a visit but that you come in with us and you leave with us. You ride in our car. You're our, you're, our, you're, our, you're our guest and you're our host. There's nothing we want to do without you. We need you in every decision that we make. The greatest of your champions have encountered the enemy and have lost some battles. Samson lost a battle. David lost a battle. Moses lost a battle. Job lost a battle. But in all of those losses, you always showed up and you always turned things around to allow us to win the war. We have been through dangers. Life is dangerous. We've been through toils. And we've been in times in our life when the enemy sought to deceive us to set us up for betrayal, to set us up for hurt, to set us up for a loss. But David said it so well. I'm old now, but I was young. And my whole life, from shepherd to king, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed out begging for bread. We thank you that there is a threefold cord. But they that wait upon you, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. There's a supernatural connection 
There's a supernatural vitamin. There's a supernatural potion. There's a supernatural element that factors when we become attached to you. You love us. You watch over your word performance. But you told us time and time again, this ain't the Cub Scouts. This is war. All out war. But the enemy hates, hates everything about us. He hates our life. He hates our guts. He hates everything about us. Does not play fair. Cheats most of the time. But when he's confronted with the word, he cannot survive. When he's, com- when he's confronted with not facts but truths, facts change, the truth does not. When confronted with the truth, he flees and he takes all of his junk with him. Today, as the army of the Lord, we listen. Not there's anything special about January 2012, not that it means anything in your kingdom. But you honor some of the things that man has determined, some of the things that man has done. We're fasting 21 days because we're hungry for you. We're hungry for the prodigal to come home. We want to create a gathering where people can come from every walk of life, whether they have flip-flops on or whether they have leather boots on, whether they have a ball cap or or a straw hat, from every area of life that we will not cringe we will not be judgmental or critical. But like the emergency room of a hospital, some of us are going to come with bedroom slippers on. Some of us are going to come with tacky pajamas on. Some of us are going to come with curlers in our hair. Some of us are going to come with no makeup. Some of us are not going to be all that pretty when we show up. But let us not see the lack of makeup. Let us not see the lack of hair care or the lack of clothes. But let us see what you see, the heart. You don't look on the outside. You look on the inward. Let us see that heart that's hurting, that heart that needs support, strength, and energy. And let us be encouraged so that we can encourage others. Let us be blessed so we can bless others. Let us have extra so that we can give what we have left over to others. The true meaning of the word prosperity. Enough for us and enough left over to help somebody else. Let our, let our confessions change. Let our de- declarations change. Let our goals change. Let us stop short, short-sightedness. Let us, let us stop mundane visions, but let us see all that you have for us. And let us be like D.L. Moody. If anyone would read your word and do it, what would happen? Why not me? Why can't I be the one that reads your word and does what you, what you say do in Jesus' name? If you're here today and you've wandered away from God, you're not where you need to be. I made a vow to the Lord that I would never preach again that I'd not give opportunity for someone to come back to the Lord we won't embarrass you or send anybody to you that's between you and the Lord God can do it by himself he does not need my manipulation or my suggestion but he can come right to where you are and turn things around you're not where you need to be with the Lord if that's where you're at today just put your hand up put right back down is there one I don't want to assume that we're all yes thank you God sees that hand God sees that heart and today is all about you. The Bible says that there is rejoicing in the presence of God over one sinner that repents. Father, touch this precious daughter. Honor, honor her, her, her courage. 